To someone who did not know any better, they might have thought that it was an earthquake. Zuko, however, did know better, and he knew too well that earthquakes don't last for prolonged minutes at a time. He knew what was happening. As the sun set into night, life in the palace was starting to die down. He was allowed a bit of light walking on his own, at the very least, and that was when he felt the slight trembling of the earth beneath his feet. He followed the sensation and found himself by his mother's garden. Ursa's garden, since her banishment, had been unkempt. Before his face had been scarred, his presence in the garden made the servants keep it presentable somewhat, at the very least, but it was hardly ever at the level of flourish that his mother was capable of when she was the one tending to it. Yet, by the time he returned to the palace upon what he thought had been his redemption, it had degraded in quality. It had become a shadow of its former glory. Still, even then, it remained to be one of the most tranquil parts of the royal palace, despite its noticeable lack of care. That was, of course, until the greatest earthbender of all time had anything to say about it. The Fire Lord found the girl with her bare feet to the ground. With slight shifts of her steady posture, the earth bent to her will. She uprooted weeds and resurfaced good, volcanic soil into the topmost layer. She arranged newly planted bushels around the small pond where he knew turtle ducks liked to linger. It was empty now, of course, for the creatures were probably frightened of how the earth moved. He knew of their temperament. They were creatures so easily startled, and yet, how they could fight to defend their own when necessary. He walked down to where she was, and he felt the earth stop moving as she did. He stopped too, standing just behind her. Your heart sounds... different, she said by way of greeting. Toph kept her back to him, not that it mattered, but she still kept her head bowed down low. Despite her unseeing eyes, she could not quite look at him. It's brand new, he replied, a shy smile forming on his lips. Hey. She pouted her lips and turned to him, facing any other way except at him. Her voice was quiet when she spoke, her arms stiff as she crossed them over her chest. You good? I'm okay, he answered. He paused and then said... It's my coronation tomorrow. No, duh, she said, flippant and distant, gritting her teeth. He could hear the words she did not want to say. He knew the language of repression well enough to tell when she was trying to keep herself from breaking. He was perfectly fluent in it himself. After all, the last time she had seen him, she'd felt him nearly die. Toph, listen. I... I heard about... Well. He licked his lips, paused, and went on. When I was... You know. You really scared me back there, Sparky. She admitted, her voice as small as she felt. Near breaking. It sounded as if she were swallowing back the words before she could say them. 
as if it caused her physical pain to admit. Usually so strong and so firm as the earth itself, there was very little that could move Toph Beifong. And yet, with a young man before her, whom she'd known and loved like the brother she never had, all she could recall was his near death, and how it had shaken her to her core. She'd had the luxury of never having had to have dealt with death before him. It was not something that she could simply get over, much as she might have tried to pretend. I know. I don't want to say I'm sorry. Two people already told me not to be, but I was just wondering if you were okay. Yeah. She answered quickly. Better now. Zuko shifted his weight as he looked down and shuffled his feet. Toph stayed rooted to her spot, unmoving, and hardly even breathing. He could see that her shoulders were tense, and he frowned. He brushed his palms against the side of his robes. Do you... He started. Do you... Want a hug? Her expression shifted immediately, her unseeing eyes widening and her lips parting. She blinked. Seriously? I could use a hug, he said with a shrug. Apparently, she did not need to be told twice as she practically leapt into his arms and embraced him tightly around the middle. The force of it made his injury protest, and he grit his teeth and swallowed down the hiss that threatened to pass through his lips. Instead, he simply groaned and held her right back, bowing as far down as he could. Toph breathed him in, relief rushing through her bones. She closed her eyes and did not bother to try to stop the tears that ran down her cheeks. When they parted, he noted that her posture had changed. She had assumed a more relaxed stance, though she still held her chin up in that classic way that Toph often did. So, listen. It's my coronation tomorrow. Yeah, you mentioned. We get it. You're Fire Lord. She said mockingly, rolling her eyes. What about it? I'd just appreciate it if you could watch my back. What do you mean? I was wondering if you would like to head my security detail here in the palace, officially. At least for a little while. For real? She asked, glee making her small voice just that much higher. Zuko nodded. Of course! She exclaimed as she jumped back into his arms. He made a small sound of complaint, but did not mind it in the slightest. She did not let go of him either, uncaring for his discomfort, for he was alive. And that was all she would afford him. I'm really glad you're not dead, Zuko. He chuckled at her use of his name. So simple, and yet such weight did it hold. Thanks, Toph. I still owe you a life-changing field trip. The girl gasped and pushed herself away from him. She pointed a finger at him, mirth clear in her milky eyes, and gleefully yelled, Oh, oh, you, you called it a life-changing field trip! 
No take backs! When Katara left the docks to escort her father and the rest of the Southern Water Tribe's representatives to the royal palace, Sokka went to find Suki. She was not difficult to find, as he could hardly miss a group of screaming warrior girls ecstatic at their reunion after a short stint at prison. He might have loathed to steal her away from the group if they didn't have important business to attend to. But after his conversation with his little sister, their mission became all the more imperative. So, when he came to her and told her that they had to go through with their plan, all it took was one look. They had to do this, if only to soften the inevitable blow. Together, they set off to where they knew the young Avatar would still be assisting in helping the ships reach the shore. The winds had been near non-existent, which resulted in delays, and that made Aang busy, luring him away from a certain waterbender all day. By the time they found Aang, he was just about finished helping some elder members of the White Lotus off of Appa's saddle. The young boy saw them arriving and jumped at the sight of them, lightly landing on the tips of his toes to greet them. Sokka! Suki! He said. He then gestured to a large wooden pendant that hung from his neck, attached by beads. Sokka thought he recognized it from somewhere. Check out this medallion! See? He held it up to them, and the couple bent down to get a closer look at the item. It's got the Air Nomad insignia on it. It's like the one Monk Yatso used to wear. The couple straightened their stance and nodded as the young avatar explained. You had to be pretty high up in the Air Nomad's Council of Elders to get the honor to wear one of these. Well, Aang, Suki remarked, where did you get it? One of the Masters of the White Lotus recovered it from some black market dealers. She gave it to me and said I should probably have it. He looked up at them, beaming, though they could not miss that touch of sadness in his gray eyes. It's one of the last relics of my people. I'm going to wear it to Zuko's coronation tomorrow. That's great, Aang, said Sokka. I bet Monk Yatsa was real proud of you. I can't wait to show Katara, Aang added. At the mention of the waterbender's name, Sokka's mouth dropped open and he and Suki exchanged a knowing look. She quirked her head and grimaced quickly, an unspoken conversation passing through them at the speed of a breath. Listen, about that, Sokka tried to start. A frown was born upon Aang's features immediately. Inquisitive gray eyes darted from left to right between the two of them. You guys didn't just come here to say hi, did you? Well, said Sokka, the last vowel trailing. No. Suki elbowed his side, her voice taking on a softer, more motherly tone. What he means to say, Aang, is... She tried, but his gray eyes widened ever more so, worry clear in them from when he had been so delighted just a moment ago. Suki could not finish the sentence when she looked at him. Well, 
She tried again, but then looked to her side and said, Sokka, you go. It's not really our place to say, well, anything. Well, good! The Avatar exclaimed immediately. Don't say anything, then! Aang, you need to listen. Listen to what? To someone other than yourself. Other than what you want. What is that supposed to mean? We just mean that it's no secret that you... Suki tried. She cringed as she continued. You really like Katara. I love her! Aang declared. Okay, said Sokka, uncertainty clear in his lilt with a dash of condescending. Is this the part where you tell me that if I hurt her when we get together, you're gonna hurt me or something? Because I've heard about that talk and- Aang, no, said Suki, cutting him off. What we're trying to say is, sometimes you like people, you really like them and even love them so much, but... She licked her lips, eyes looking up as she tried to think of how to phrase her words. Sometimes they're not going to like you back in that way. And that's okay. I don't understand, said Aang, his young gaze lost, hurt clear in the depths of them. Did Katara say something to you guys? Because she can talk to me. No, that's not... Suki tried. No, she didn't tell us anything. Is this about Zuko? He asked. No, Aang. This is about you. Am I not good enough for her to you or something? He said, voice loud and pitch rising. I'm the Avatar! Aang, buddy... Sokka tried to interject. Don't buddy me. I don't want to fight you. No, I'm done talking. Aang. Her tone, commanding. He could not help but obey, but it was clear from the way his brows knit together that he was displeased with the way this conversation was progressing. Her features softened at the sight of his distress, and yet... There was no stopping it now. We're trying to help you. I don't see how this is supposed to help me. He remarked. Because you're not listening. Sokka said, frustration seeping out in his voice. This isn't what you want to hear, and that's really hard to listen to. I get that, but please, we're just trying to help. I love her. Aang despaired again, pleading. Does she not love me or something? I would be so good to her. How? Suki asked. Sokka nearly broke his neck from the speed with which he turned to face her when she asked that. She kept on. How would you be good to her? Uh, I... The boy tried, but the words would not come. He did not know. What does she need? Um... He said, the Avatar's proud stance shrinking, his shoulders just starting to drop. I... 
I'm happy when I'm with her. Doesn't answer the question, said Suki. In situations like this, it can't just be about you and what you feel, Sokka added. When you love somebody, you want what's best for them, right? Do you think you're what's best for her right now? Is Zuko what's best for her? He spat out like venom, like a cornered beast. Aang, stop. We're not talking about Zuko. We're talking about you. The airbender found himself breathless then, a flurry of letters rushing through his mind, but none of them words. He thought of Katara, of her smile and her eyes and the way she looked at him. Rather, the way he wished she would look at him. But when he thought of Suki's question, he found that he could not think of an answer. In fact, the last time that he had spoken to her, before Zuko was shot with lightning, hadn't he yelled at her? Took his frustration out on her when she hadn't deserved it? The memory of his anger came rushing back, remorse burning like acid through his veins, the bile rising to his tongue. And he had never felt so small and so young and so naive. When you love somebody, you want what's best for them, Sugi had just said. What's best for Katara? He wondered, and immediately he thought of himself. He did not imagine her happy. He imagined himself happy with her, as if that were one and the same thing. And perhaps that said it all. When confronted with these thoughts of introspection, the young Avatar was not entirely unreasonable with himself. Still, his spirit held him down and it felt heavy, this realization, for he knew in his mind's eye what Katara looked like when she was happy. And it looked an awful lot like her exuberance at bringing the Fire Lord back from the very brink of death. He'd dreamt of seeing that joy on her face but when she showed it, it wasn't for him. She loves him, doesn't she? He asked, his voice nearly a whisper. We don't know that, said Suki. Neither do you, unless she tells you. She paused and raised a brow at him. Have you ever asked her what it is that she wants? I guess not, said Aang. I just kind of assumed. Well, you know what my dad always says, Sokka tried to joke. Assuming makes an ass out of you and me. Neither Suki nor Aang even so much as cracked a smile. Still, he kept his forced grin. Get it? Not the time, Suki admonished. Sorry. How did you guys decide you wanted to be together? Aang asked. Well, we talked about it. He answered, wrapping his arm around her. A lot, Suki added. It didn't just happen, you know. Sokka was kind of a jerk to me at first. It took time. Yes, I was. A big old jerk, he agreed. But we talked about it, and we, I don't know, we met in the middle, I guess. 
And right now, we're at the same place with where we want to be and who we want to be. She said, reaching up to hold Sokka's hand that was hanging just by her shoulder. Relationships are about back and forth. It's a partnership. It's not enough to just imagine it'll be great based on what you want out of it. She paused when Aang looked away from her, his gaze turning downward as his lips pressed into a line. Does that make sense? He nodded, somber, as if conceding defeat. And hey, remember... Sokka tried, reaching for him with his hand that was precariously balanced atop his crutch. There's so many different ways you could love somebody, you know? You'll always be family, Aang. Don't forget that, no matter what happens. He managed to smile weakly at the thought. Zuko is a really great guy. I think she does like him. The way I liked her. The couple gave each other a sly look, sharing a split-second smile. Do you guys think he likes your back? Sokka bobbed his head, a gesture of vague, almost, agreement. I mean, he did jump in front of lightning for her. We don't know for sure, Suki answered, throwing Sokka a warning glance. We can't speak for them. Right. He agreed, nodding. What she said. What should I do? Aang despaired. I mean, Zuko is my friend. Hey, we're not here to tell you what to do, said Sokka. That whole relationship thing, that's a conversation between you and Katara. I don't even want to touch on that. Excuse me, the Oogie's just thinking about it. We just... Wanted to talk to you a little bit about it first, Suki continued, to help make it easier when it happens. Thanks for talking to me, you guys, said Aang. And I'm sorry if I... He swallowed, a faint blush rising to his cheeks. Got a little mad before. Don't worry about it, said Sokka. It happens. Sure is a lot to think about. Hey, for what it's worth, you're so young, Aang. You've got so much more to look forward to and discover about yourself. You're right. He said. Thanks, Suki. When Aang made his goodbyes and flew off in his glider alone... The pair of them watched as their friend became nothing more than a faint outline of a shadow in the sky. They stayed silent as they watched him go. Did we do the right thing? I hope so, Sokka answered. Whatever happens next, it's up to them now. <laughs>